disclaimer! Most of the world doesn't share your opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, we've made it. We've made it to the last video in this series. Three months in the making, bitch! Obviously, that's not counting the severe amount of editing I've had to do. If you're confused because you're finding this video in the algorithm, let me provide you with a little bit of context. This is the final part of a big Batman movie review series that I've been slowly releasing in the past few months. A link to a playlist that contains all the videos in order is in the card. You don't have to watch them all in order to be able to see this video. In fact, they're all filled with massive spoilers. Well, this one is going to have a very short spoiler-free review of all the movies. But if you want to hear an in-depth review of all the movies brought up today, then that playlist is there for you. Also, I just have to say, I did clickbait the title just a teensy weensy bit. This isn't going to be an objectively worst to best, more of a least favorite to favorite kind of list. Also, the scores are strictly based on enjoyment. So without further ado, let's get on with the ranking of the Batman movies. At number 37, we had the 1940s Batman and Batman and Robin. I never actually watched Batman and Robin, but I heard it was basically the same thing as Batman. Speaking on just my experience with 1943 Batman, it was just painfully boring to the point that I ended up just not finishing it. The thing's like four hours. That's four hours of racism too much. Like I said in my review, the movie can be summed up as just Batman 66, but longer, boring, not as funny, in black and white, and extremely racist towards Japanese people, given how this movie was made around the time Pearl Harbor happened. There's really nothing I liked from it, and the only thing that stood out was the American doing the most racist accent throughout the whole movie. I give both Batman and Batman and Robin a DTF out of 10. At number 36, we have the Lego Batman movie. This is barely a movie. There's barely a plot, character development is practically non-existent, and it's supposed to be this funny parody of Batman movies, but a parody doesn't automatically mean it's funny, and this is a massive example of that. I expect a comedy in this movie, given how it's a Lego movie, and also a sequel to the Lego movie, but it is nowhere near the Lego comedy that I can actually stand, and instead it's just almost two hours of me being an immense pain and annoyance. Every joke can be basically summed up as, you remember that thing in that one Batman movie? Or, you remember this thing that we own? The casting decisions for this movie aren't good either. Michael Sarah's Dick Grayson is still mind-baffling, and then they got Ralph Phineas to voice Alfred, but included Voldemort in this movie, and had somebody else voice him. Phineas is a good Alfred, but any old British guy can play Alfred. Why did you bother putting Phineas in a movie with Voldemort? If you weren't gonna have him voice Voldemort. And yes, Voldemort is in a Batman movie. Like I said, you remember this thing that we own? This wasn't fun at all, even for a kids movie, which this list has Batman movies made for kids. But those were back when they had the dignity to not treat kids like they're fucking brainless idiots. Zero out of ten. And number 35. We have Batman and Harley Quinn. God, this movie sucked. The fact that it's drawn and written to be in the Batman animated series universe and goes to the lengths of getting Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lester to voice Batman and Nightwing just to have the film stand above the universe having an hour jack-off session until it blows its load all over it is just fucking offensive. Bruce Timm took an iconic character that he himself created and turned her into just a sex object. Harley went from being this blinded-by-love abuse victim to just an animatronic blow-up doll and it's just so fucking gross. And I I know this is all coming from the guy who is constantly horny on Maine for Morning Harley from Arkham City. 
and it spilled quite plenty of seeds to the sexy joke one and two. I sound like a massive hypocrite, don't I? Well, maybe, if you want to look at it that way. But to me, and probably anybody with more than two brain cells, there's a massive difference between the fans being horny of a character and releasing that in a way of tweets, fanfictions, or doujins, and the official creator of that character reducing her to nothing but a walking, talking fleshlight and an official movie set in an iconic universe that defined many people's childhoods. And that's barely touching the surface of everything wrong with this movie. Every other scene in here just wastes the viewer's time having something happen for so unnecessarily long just for there to be no outcome and the characters to go back to what they were originally doing. This movie is set in a universe that was so iconic and beloved because it came out after the Tim Burton movies and ended up being more serious than those films and continued being serious during the Joel Schumacher films and then included fart and shit jokes and the Adam West action cards. What a disgusting far cry. Also, Harley rapes Nightwing and it's played off as a joke. Zero out of ten. And number th 34. We have Batman Returns. Just like with Batman and Harley Quinn, this is Tim Burton coming up with all the ideas that he wanted for this movie only during his jerk-off sessions. The Penguin's no longer this rich dude that, despite being a foot tall, strikes fear in people that try to fuck with him. Nah, 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 nah. He's an unlikable incel that gropes women, gets extremely horny, and wants to kill babies. Nice going. What about Catwoman, a victim of sexual abuse, practically forced into stripping and prostitution, and then uses the natural lust for men in order to get her way and get the things she wants. Nah, she's just a hoe that grubs Batman and acts like a cat. This movie is a perfect example on how Tim Burton doesn't give a shit about comic books and any character from Batman, and when he was given full privilege to do whatever he wanted, he just wanted to make softcore porn. The sole reason why this is above Batman and Harley Quinn is that it somehow has some scenes that I enjoy. Whenever Michelle Pfeiffer is out of the cat suit post becoming Catwoman, he's actually pretty entertaining and the chemistry between her and Michael Keaton is really good. And the opening is pretty good with it making the viewer ask questions and then throughout the film it answers all of them. But then Michael Keaton is a massive downgrade from his performance in Batman 89 and after hearing eat floor high fiber, I, I don't blame him one bit. I will never forget that line and it will hurt my soul every time I think about it. 0.5 out of 10. And number 33. We have Batman Forever, and here's where we start getting a little bit controversial. Come on, it's me. I gotta at least have one unpopular opinion. I just end up having nine in here. I put Batman Forever over Batman Returns for one reason only. I will take boredom over pain any day of the week. Unless it's in ba Batman Forever tries to be campy and serious at the same time, which for some reason this isn't the only time it happens. And it comes out to be a really really boring two hours that feels like it's longer than it should be. People want the Schumacher cut, which supposedly is more serious, but I will 1000% take a cut of this movie that gets rid of all the serious shit and just goes corny. You can take the story of Bruce dealing with his trauma at the same time as Dick gaining that same trauma and give it to a different director to make something really good. Schumacher should just keep with the campy shit. And there is one thing that I will never forgive this movie for, and it's not how Two-Face looks or acts, it's not how Dick is an absolute crybaby in every scene, it's not how Bruce is an egotistical jealous maniac, and it's not that stupid fucking smile on his face. All of those are terrible, but it's not the one thing I can't forgive this movie for. No, 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 no. The one thing I can't forgive it for 
is making Jim Carrey boring. How do you make Jim motherfucking Carrey boring? And apparently there's a version of the Riddler in the comics that's very goofy and campy. And, and knowing that, yeah, Jim Carrey is the perfect role for that. But Jesus Christ, somehow he is not entertaining in here in the slightest. How the fuck? So yeah, this movie tries to be two completely polar opposite things at once, and it comes out as incredibly boring, which I will take over being in pain from physically and mentally cringing in every other scene. And also, Val Kilmer isn't that bad in here. One out of ten. And number th 32. We have Return of the Caped Crusaders. So I guess after the original 66 Batman show was gone for 50 years, it wanted to go back to that style, but also kind of adapt to the character that Batman was known as by 2016. And I don't think that was a good decision. It comes out exactly like Batman Forever, where it's just trying two different things at once and not working at all. A story about is pretty interesting. I just don't think it works for Adam West. So yeah. Every reason why Batman Forever is so low is the same reason why Cape Crusaders is low, but this movie is above forever for one reason, and that is because of Adam West himself. The dude is just so charismatic and lovable, and even in a movie like this, he's still able to be a joy when he's around at times. 1 out of 10. And number 31. We have Batman vs. Superman. The writing of this movie had potential. It could have been a really interesting story of Batman and Superman hating each other and fighting all because of a first impression, which everyone knows is the most important impression. But the movie is so bogged down with trying to set up the Justice League so then they could get that movie out the next year, along with poor choices in the writing that absolutely ruin most of what I found to be good from here. And the worst part of it all is Zack Snyder himself. When you say this, Batman's dark. I'm like, no, 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 no. Batman is cool. He gets to go to a Tibetan monastery and be trained by ninjas. Okay? Like, I want to do that, but he doesn't, like, get raped in prison. Like, like that could happen in my movie. Like, if you want to talk about dark, that's how I would do it. Or this. Here's one piece of information nobody knows. This movie is insane and so epic, it's probably rated R. That's one thing I think will happen, that it will be an R-rated version for sure. There's one scene where Batman drops an F-bomb. Or this. Um, if you, there's a great YouTube video that shows all the kills in the Christopher Nolan movies. Um, even though like we would perceive them as uh, movies where he doesn't kill anyone. I think there's like 42. Also, it goes back and includes even the Tim Burton Batman movies where, you know, this reputation as a, a guy that doesn't kill comes from. Although I would say, you know, in the, in the Frank Miller comic book that I, that I reference, you know, he kills all the time. I don't think you should be anywhere near comic books, let alone the character of Batman. The movie could have been something interesting and cool and maybe a psychological aspect, but Zack just comes in and goes, we need to have Batman shoot or kill people because if my movie doesn't have explosions and the main character killing people, then it's not going to be dark. And Batman's not the only character in this movie that isn't the character. That's everyone in this movie. Batman kills 24 times. Superman is emotionless and doesn't care about humans or Earth. Lex is just... the complete tonal opposite. Also, Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor. Are you smoking crack? There are things from this movie that I like. The second opening scene is pretty dope. The potential of why Batman and Superman would end up fighting each other is really good, and I wish it was executed a lot better. Wonder Woman's theme is amazing. The fact that Wonder Woman is in a movie called Batman vs. Superman, so much to the point that she has her own theme and is on the promotional material is just... 
God, so many things are wrong with this. And Jeremy Irons is probably up there in at least the top 10, maybe even top 5 of my favorite Alfred performances. But everything else about this movie is just a shit show, and it did not need to be three fucking hours. Yeah, it's just boring and bad, with like a handful of interesting and sometimes good things from it. 3 out of 10. At number 30, we have Batman and Robin. Ditch Aqui. What? Ditch Aqui. I haven't even given- Ditch Aqui. What? Why do you disagree? Your opinion it won. We've been over this before. Any opinion I hold is objectively correct. Why are you staring at me like that? Oh yeah, I forgot. You can't see anything that I put in post. I can't even see you now. I got explaining to do, don't I? How could you put Batman and Robin over fucking- Yep. I put Batman and Robin this high up because of how goddamn entertaining it is. Yeah, I got on Lego Batman for having comedy, but there's a difference between the comedy used in that movie and used in here. The comedy in here is pretty much just a spiritual sequel to Batman 66, and goddamn is it great. The comedy doesn't always hit, shit like this is why Superman works alone or all the ice puns get nothing out of me, but there's the line by Floronic Man that he says to Ivy, which is the greatest joke in the entire film. I think just like in Batman 66, by halfway through the movie, I just stopped caring and it became so much fun to watch. That doesn't mean all of it's great, though. Dick still sucks. I'm not a fan of Arnold as Freeze until, like, his last scene. And Alicia Silverstone just in general. I think I would genuinely take Michelle Pfeiffer in the catsuit over anything with Alicia Silverstone. But Uma Thurman is incredibly hot as Poison Ivy, and for a while she just carries the fuck out of it. And Bane, while not being anywhere close to who the character is, is just so goddamn funny whenever he speaks. Some of it is a fun watch in a so-bad-it's-good kind of way, and some of it is just not that fun. With that in mind, I give it about a 3 out of 10, which is probably absurdly high for a lot of people, but I would much rather watch this over Batman vs. Superman, while any movie above this is easily more entertaining. Also, the fun moments make it fun. The boring moments impact it a little bit, and then Alicia Silverstone absolutely plummets to score, so I think a 3 out of 10 is reasonable, and if you don't like that and want me to make it lower, well, too bad. I don't need to submit and let other people's opinions cuck mine. And number 29, we have LEGO DC Batman Family Matters. Unlike LEGO Batman, this movie knew how to do the LEGO comedy right. It felt like a movie version of one of those old-school LEGO games, and after trying to 100% the 2008 LEGO Batman game while making this series, I've grown to not really mind it. And the comedy aside, this movie actually has a story, and it's not fucking terrible. It isn't anything special, though, it's just a generic Red Hood story. The thing is, there are some changes in the movie that I'm not really a big fan of that make it kinda boring and put Troy Baker as Batman and... It, it drops the movie down this low. It's fine, and I wouldn't mind seeing it again, but... And again, it does get kinda boring here and there. 4 out of 10. And number 28, we have Batman 89. Once again, another controversial spot, but as I said in my review, I don't think any of the Burton Schumacher films age well, and especially this one. When it came out, yeah, I could see how it could be dark, but over 30 years later, and you can see how goofy this movie is. With that being said, at least it has Michael Keaton, who I will gladly take over Troy Baker any day. I love Troy, but God, his Batman was not good. And while I didn't even think Keaton was that good of a Batman, 
he ends up coming out better than Troy. And Keaton as Bruce is pretty good. Have any of you heard about that time in 1989 when, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson had to go to the hospital, um, after breaking his back from carrying this entire movie for two hours? Yeah, well, I find this movie pretty boring. Any scene with Joker that's not being soundtracked by Prince is an incredible highlight. But sadly, when Joker isn't in the scene, the movie just takes a nosedive and gets really boring. And I know I just said any scene, but the third act is the fucking worst part of the movie. It feels like it drags for fucking ever and will never end. I give it a 4 out of 10. At number 27, we have Batman Unlimited Monster Mayhem. The movie is fine and just kind of follows the same plot as the movie that came before it in the Unlimited trilogy. But the writers seem to think that because they brought in Joker that the movie needed to be incredibly goofy while also trying to be serious, which drops the enjoyment down by a ton because by the third act it's just, it's just absolutely fucking insane to the point that it's annoying. But the casting here is actually really good so that kind of makes up for the shit writing. While the third act sucks, this movie still has Roger Craig Smith as Batman, Troy Baker as Joker, Will Friedle as Nightwing, and fucking Harry Payton as Cyborg, so everything before the third act is at least somewhat enjoyable, but the third act still sucks, so 5 out of 10. And number 26 is Batman Year One. This movie actually isn't boring for once, but it's just so meaningless that I end up coasting through it. Ben McKenzie as Batman and Eliza Dushku as Catwoman fucking suck, which is why I'm glad that they barely end up showing up in the movie, and the whole thing gets dominated by Commissioner Gordon, who's voiced by Brian fucking Cranston. And if you've seen my review of the movie, you'd know that this movie sold me on Brian Cranston being the voice of Gordon for me. I don't know how different the movie is from the comic, but the movie at least is more of a Commissioner Gordon origin story than a Batman origin story, and getting such an incredible voice and actor for the part of Gordon was a great decision, because just like Jack Nicholson, Brian absolutely carries this entire movie. If I were to ever rewatch this, I would get some pretty good enjoyment out of every Gordon scene, but then Batman and Catwoman will end up showing up and ruining it, so that's why I give it a 5 out of 10. And number 25 is Soul of the Dragon. Like I said in my review, the best way I can explain Soul of the Dragon is if Mask of the Phantasm had a karate movie influence, but was also insanely generic. At least to me, the movie took a while for it to pick up, and the first few flashback portions bored the shit out of me. With that being said, it did pick up around, I think, half an hour in, and the pacing became a lot better, and the movie as a whole started being more entertaining. I guess I put it above year one because all the voice actors in here are pretty good. David Giotoli does a pretty good Batman. Also, Josh Keaton is in this, and he is my definitive Spider-Man, so extra points to that. But at the same time, it's still kind of a generic story and doesn't really say anything or do anything new when it comes to Batman. So... 5 out of 10, I basically just rehashed my entire review because there's so fucking little to say about this movie. And number 24 is Mechs vs. Mutants. Now despite my review basically being me getting upset at this movie for not explaining anything, I don't think the film's bad. The movie's a lot more entertaining than Monster Mayhem because they toned down the goofiness by a ton, and instead just made Batman a bootleg Evangelion with Dan Snyder as the Penguin fucking love that concept. But the thing that gets in the way of me fully enjoying this movie is the fact that they basically got rid of the one thing I praised the series about, and that's the chemistry between the heroes. While the fights in Animal Instincts weren't anything special, I thought they were still fun to watch because of the chemistry between all the voice actors for the heroes, and the dialogue between them having them kind of bounce off each other during the fights. Mechs vs. Mutants doesn't really do that, they just kind of ruin the relationship between some of the characters which causes the fights to be boiled down to generic action that I'm just 
not that interested in. And yeah, it does get kind of annoying with so much shit happening that makes no sense and no explanation about it whatsoever. So yeah, the pros and the cons go hand in hand to the point that this movie is probably a five for me, but I can't get enough of Dana Snyder's Penguin, especially in this movie because he has more good moments. So six out of 10. And number 23 is Batman vs. Two-Face, which is a far better Adam West Batman movie than Cape Crusaders. This movie feels like it could have been a part of the show or a sequel to the original movie, and it completely gets rid of trying to be serious and goes back to being campy like I'd expect from an Adam West property, and I enjoy it. And the comedy in here isn't that bad either, with one of the jokes towards the end of the movie just fucking killing me because of how out there it is compared to every other joke I've heard from this universe. They also managed to up the action and make it kind of look like the action of nowadays Batman, and I think that's the perfect execution of trying to modernize the Adam West Batman. A lot that this movie tries to do mostly hits, and I respect it for that. The only reason why it's below the original is, one, the original is a fucking classic, and there's no way they would have been able to top that, and also just... I like the original cast of villains more than their replacements in these animated movies, except for Wally Winger, because he's the Riddler in the Arkham games. But I also just like Lee Merriweather more than Julie Newmar. I understand that Julie was the OG for the show, but personally, I just like Lee's voice more. Obviously, this isn't one of the greatest Batman movies of all time, and it's an Adam West Batman movie, so 6 out of 10. But other than that, I think it's a really good sequel, as well as very faithful to the original movie, TV show, and universe. And then number 22 is Batman Hush, and I feel like I might need to explain something. I understand that I ended off my review of this movie in a way that could be interpreted as I hate the film, but in all actuality, I don't. Other than the third act, this movie was pretty much at the enjoyability factor as its predecessor, and it is a fun watch until the ending, which does sour the movie quite a lot, making me a little hesitant on wanting to rewatch it. But then that leads me into remembering how fun the movie was before that, especially seeing the chemistry between Batman and Catwoman. It's done a lot better in here than in past incarnations. So while I don't think the movie is bad, I just have very mixed feelings about it because of how it decides to end, but the fact that it was so much fun for most of the movie. This is just the Hensuki of Batman movies. So because of how I'm very eh about it, 6 out of 10. And number 21 is the Batman vs. Dracula. Now the thing that makes his placement a bit iffy is that I kind of have the same thoughts as I do with Soul of the Dragon. Well yeah, there are some cool concepts about it. It's just kind of generic and doesn't really say or do anything new. But while I did like the voice acting of Soul of the Dragon, this movie just has far better voice actors for the most part. While I think David Giotoli has a better Batman voice than Reno Romano, none of the voice actors in Soul of the Dragon can top Tom Kenny's Penguin, Kevin Michael Richardson's Joker, and fucking Peter Stormare's Dracula, which is by far the best performance in this entire movie. Also, I guess I just remember more from the movie than I do Dragon or any other movie before this. So yeah, I give this a 6 out of 10 because while it has kind of a generic story, the top-notch performances from Kenny, Richardson, and Stormare absolutely carry it. And number 20 is Batman the Movie. While the movie isn't a good Batman movie in the slightest, that's just not something you should expect from this. The film just has this nice summertime kind of nostalgic charm to it and is actually really entertaining and funny. Most of the jokes don't really hit for me, and I know I'm gonna sound hypocritical here, but the fact that it does so much outlandish shit and explains absolutely none of it is so 
fucking fun to me. And maybe it's just me, but I feel like the charm of the movie aged pretty well, because I watched this back in July of 2020, and now every time I think about the movie, I get a bit nostalgic for that summer and having fun. Granted, nothing about 2020 was fun, but you get my point. Is the movie good? Is the movie bad? Well, it's a 60s comic book movie, so my answer to that is... I give this movie a solid yes out of 10. And number 19 is Batman Mystery of the Batwoman. I know I said this movie doesn't really have much substance, so it ended up being the weakest out of the four Batman in the animated series movies. And that could come off as me being very, everything has to have a meaning and a, and a deep intellectual story for it to be good. But that's just objectively not me. What I meant was, compared to how the animated series was and the three movies that came out before this, it just didn't really have the substance that you'd probably expect from an animated series property. And personally for me, when I go to the animated series, I go to that universe and those movies for the substance that the universe is well known for, which this movie didn't really carry. And while it still continues to be a fun watch and it doesn't dumb shit down like it's fucking Teen Titans Go!, the lack of substance just kind of drops the enjoyment value to me. I hope I'm making sense. Overall, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think it can be pretty fun and it can hold itself up to the other four movies because it's at least mostly faithful. Except for that one scene I brought up in my review and anybody who's seen the movie can probably think of what I'm thinking of. I think that was incredibly uncomfortable, gross, and should never happen in anything, not even fan fictions. Fuck you, Bruce Tim, and your weird fetishes. I usually don't kink shame, but this is one of the times where it's like, what the fuck are you doing? But anyways, I like the movie, just not as much as I wish I could have, and I do kind of wish that Batwoman would have been handled a lot better, but what they did was fine. Six and a half out of ten. And number 18 is Son of the Batman, and I'm sorry for the review saying basically nothing, but oh my god, was there basically nothing I could say about it. It might be weird for it to be this high on the list if I can barely think of anything to say about the movie, and that's completely fine and valid, but there is one thing I can say, and that is, it was at least Fun. And while in my review I said that I wasn't very knowledgeable on Deathstroke performances, after that I binge-watched all five seasons of the original Teen Titans, got the depression that you get after binge-watching all five seasons of Teen Titans and being left off where you're left off at, but that's besides the point. The point is, after doing that, I have come to the conclusion that nobody has been able to top Ron Perlman's Slade Wilson. But anyways, while I don't really like Jason O'Mara's Batman in here and Damien's kind of annoying, but... Not as annoying as he is in Harley Quinn, so that's a plus. I gotta say, Talia's titties and the action does kind of make up for it. Especially during the fight towards the end of the movie, where its premise alone is incredibly funny in all the best ways possible. But also just the animation looks nice and pleasing to me. So yeah, while it doesn't really say or do anything, it's kind of fun. And it does get the advantage of not having the expectation of being full of substance like Mystery of the Batwoman unfortunately has to carry. They're both the same score anyways, a 6.5 out of 10. I don't know. There's just something about Son of Batman that makes me more inclined to rewatch than Mystery of the Batwoman. And number 17 is probably another controversial spot, and that's Dark Knight Returns Part 1. Now, I know Dark Knight Returns is this absolutely iconic comic book, and I didn't really hate the movie. I enjoyed them a lot, but... I enjoyed part two a lot more than I did part one. And the thing about part one is that I've tossed back and forth on where to put it on the ranking and whether or not I give it a six and a half or if I want to give it a seven. But then I just kind of think about how I don't really remember a lot from the movie, nor did I really have much interest in a lot of it. I kind of just 
don't care about the main villain in this movie, but then again, the montage of Batman being back in Gotham is fucking brutal and amazing. And I love Peter Weller as an old Batman, and especially that one scene I showed in my review. And there is no doubt in my mind that this is a good story. It's a far different take on the character, especially during the time, and I think it's done really well, and I appreciate it a lot, especially how it handles the one big important aspect of Batman. But, I don't know, there's just something about part one that didn't really hit. So, I'm gonna give it a six and a half and remind anybody here that's watching and possibly forgotten, but none of these scores are from an objective point of view. They're all based on my personal entertainment. So yeah, good story, good movie, just didn't really hit for me. And number 16 is Assault on Arkham. This is just a fun action movie set in... I assume the Arkham universe. Yeah, it's more of a Suicide Squad movie than a Batman movie, but it's far better than the 2016 live-action film. Is there something deep behind this movie? Nah. Why should there be? I enjoyed the movie, that's why it's up here. If I'm being completely honest, I can't really think of anything else to say on why it's here, just that I enjoyed it and it has a higher possibility of me wanting to rewatch. Plain and simple as that, 7 out of 10. And number 15 is Batman vs. Robin. I think this movie is pretty interesting with the whole mental fighting that goes on between Bruce and Damien, which leads Damien to make regrettable decisions instead of just having them constantly physically fighting for an hour and a half, or whatever the fuck Batman vs. Superman was. It's got some... Uh questionable decisions towards the end of the movie, but I can forgive them because the rest of the movie is pretty fun for me. The action is pretty good, especially during one particular scene that I can't really mention because spoilers, but it happens about an hour in. And the ending was pretty nice and wholesome and gives me chills through my body every time, so that's a plus. To me, I think it's a good movie that blends the psychological fighting and physical fighting really well, and it never really came out as boring. And if you know me, I have a goopy goblin gamer brain when it comes to almost everything in media. So if a movie chooses a psychological route and I find it enjoyable, I think that's worth some praise. Or maybe it just means it appeals to the lowest common denominator. Either way, it's a fun movie, 7 out of 10. And number 14 is Gotham Knight, and I really wish I was able to place this higher and give this a higher score because it is absolutely amazing. In an ideal world, this would have been like maybe an 8 to a 9 because of the absolutely beautiful and stunning animation brought by B-Train production IG, and the absolute anime legends Madhouse, who they specifically held my favorite segments of this movie because they are gods at making action scenes. It's also just created by a bunch of anime studios, and I'm a weeb, so I love it, along with the fact that most of this movie gives me Death Note vibes, which isn't that far-fetched when, like I said, Madhouse worked on part of this movie. But the thing that drops it down a lot is that first segment. It makes absolutely no sense to me why it was there when Studio 4C made a better looking animated segment later on in the movie, but apparently this is one of their big styles because I find that disgusting artwork when I search their name on Google. I really wish the first segment was never put in this movie because it kind of ruins the film as a whole. It being the first thing that shows up doesn't help it either. It is just appalling, and while the other five segments are far better and easily top it. That first segment still exists, which, yeah, you can skip it, but I shouldn't have to skip anything in a movie. Sadly, I have to with this. So that's why it's down here at a score of 7 out of 10. Great movie, but 
god-awful beginning. At number 13 is Batman Unlimited Animal Instincts. Once again, just another pointless fun movie, only I kind of have less to complain about than, say, Assault on Arkham. Voice acting's good, animation's good, characters' designs are mostly good. The only complaint there is Nightwing, but that's more just taking the animated series style so I can forgive it a little bit. The chemistry between all the heroes when they're fighting is absolutely stellar, which is why I like the fight scenes in here so much. I would really like to do a video essay explaining my thoughts on action scenes and what makes an action scene good, because this movie is a perfect example of one of my points. It has very generic action scenes, but they're so much fun to watch because all the characters and voice actors are just bouncing off each other in a very charismatic way. And while he's not as good in this movie, Dana Schneider is in here as Penguin, and I've already stated how much I love Dana's Penguin. Not much else to say, just a fun action movie meant for kids, but doesn't really come across that way, and I enjoyed watching it. 7 out of 10. And number 12 is another controversial spot, and that's The Killing Joke. Yeah, the first 30 minutes suck. They're the worst fucking part of the movie, just like the first segment in Gotham Knight. Those first 30 minutes are the sole reason why this movie isn't sitting at number 5, with a 9 out of 10. Well, if the beginning of this movie knocks it down two points, why is it still above Gotham Knight, you idiot? None of your list makes any fucking sense. Because when you get past the first 30 minutes, you get to see why The Killing Joke is such an iconic comic. And personally, for me, it was the most terrifying Batman movie I've ever seen, and so incredibly entertaining and enjoyable that Gotham Knight can't hold a candle to. This movie was able to make me cry because I was so uncomfortable and scared. I have to at least give it props for that. The Conjuring is held as sort of an iconic horror movie, and I watched that in the back of a car, in the middle of the forest, in the dead of the night. And it didn't do shit. This movie, on the other hand, shows me one Gordon boy and I cry. It is fucking fantastic and does a lot of stuff that I enjoy from a Batman property. Yeah, it has its flaws and I do think there are things that can help improve it, but to someone who's never read the comic book and went into the movie like the people who went to it for the first time in theaters because it was a new Batman movie and had no knowledge of the comic book, I found it fucking incredible. But again, the prologue exists, so sadly, it's down here with a 7 out of 10. And at number 11 is Batman Begins. Now this might also be a controversial spot because you can already tell it's below Dark Knight Rises, which a lot of people seem to have a big problem with because of the amount of plot holes it has. And that's fair, but like I said in my review, both Begins and Rises gave me the same amount of enjoyment, I just like Begins a little less. The origin story of Batman is cool and all, but I kinda just don't really enjoy it all that much. And then the second half of the movie is more enjoyable, but again, not as much. I also just kind of don't remember much from it, if I'm being honest. And I know this sounds like it should be a lot lower on the list, but despite me not really remembering much of it, I know for a fact that if I did go back and rewatch it, I would enjoy it. And that's all that really matters. Yeah, it's a 7 out of 10 for me, but it's still a good and fun movie for the most part. And at number 10 is The Dark Knight Rises. See, they're not that far apart. Like I said, the same enjoyability, but Rises just has more stuff I remember. I can remember Bane a lot more than I can remember Rachel Ghoul. I can remember the plot and what happens in here a lot more. And there's also just a bunch of improvements, like Alfred, who absolutely kills him in this movie, or 
the action, which is a lot better. Actually, one of my favorite fight scenes of all time came from this movie, and that's the final fight. It just visually looks fucking beautiful to me, and that's what makes it so memorable. And yeah, as I said, there are the insane amount of plot holes, but I can overlook messy writing in something if there are enough things there that I do like and enjoy. There is a massive difference between this and Batman vs. Superman. But yeah, just like with Batman Begins, it's a good movie, it's a fun movie, 7 out of 10. At number 9, we have Gotham by Gaslight. I really enjoyed this movie, a lot more than I expected to. The concept of the world of Batman taking place in 1888 is already so interesting to me, and I think the movie executed it very well, especially with having Jack the Ripper in here as the main villain, because he is... <laughs> I know this sounds fucked, but he is easily my favorite murderer of all time. I know it goes against my one American rule because he's British, but the fact that the dude never got caught and nobody actually knows his identity is so remarkable to me. I mean, yeah, he did only get a kill count of five, but it's still pretty impressive. Also, this movie tackles a classic love dynamic that I think is done really well and turns out to be really entertaining and funny in some ways. Pretty much to the point that those ways become the best part of the entire film. <laughs> it's just overall really fun, really entertaining, and I expected to possibly like it, but not as much as I actually did. I can't believe, as an American, I'm going to give a movie based in Britain an 8 out of 10. But life do be sometimes doing that to you, though. And number 8 is Batman and Mr. Freeze Sub-Zero. Yes, it's a basic Batman story, but it's executed so well, and especially with its ending, that it's just fucking great. The pacing is damn near perfect, with it feeling like half its runtime in the best way possible. And yeah, the animation is a little wonky here and there, but it's overall still good. And like I said, that ending, which I would genuinely say that is quite possibly the best ending in a Batman movie ever. Again, the movie almost made me cry. Gotta give it massive points for that. It's a simple story, but it's executed so well that I feel the stakes. I feel the emotion. I feel almost everything that this movie wants me to feel. Obviously, it's not the best Batman movie of all time, but it's a damn fucking good one, and it is so much fun to watch despite its hiccups, which is why it's an 8 out of 10. And number 7 is Batman Bad Blood. Now, I know most people didn't like this movie, but I'm about to go full-on Ava fan right now. The third act is so goddamn fucking good and so much fucking fun that is the sole reason why it's up here so high. The entire third act is so much fun to watch that it completely makes up for the kind of messy writing and decent enjoyability that was happening beforehand. It's just something that I can giddy out over, and when I rewatched it after finishing editing its review section, it, it, it almost made me cry. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I don't know what about it almost made me cry, I just know it almost happened. I know the promotion of this movie was full on lies, but I didn't know about it when I walked into this, and if you were around that time, I encourage you to watch it again with that expectation. There's just something about the third act and the ending that feels so... comic book. And I love it. Everything prior to it is like a 6 to a 7, but the actual event is like a strong 9 to a light 10, so... I say overall an 8 out of 10 is a nice middle ground. And number 6 is Ninja Batman. Now there's a review that I saw on my anime list about this film where it basically said that this movie wasn't that good because it has no substance. And to that I say... Not every story has to have significance, you know? Sometimes, uh, you know, sometimes a story is just a story. You try to read into every little thing and find meaning in everything anyone says, 
You'll just drive yourself crazy. This movie was written by the dude who made Kill a Kill. It is pointless fun that will make absolutely no sense half of the time. And as someone who finds a lot of entertainment out of that, which is why Kill a Kill is my third favorite anime, or when shit got really weird in Evangelion, I think that's the best part of that entire anime, this check marks everything. I love it. Yeah, I could have had this really emotional narrative, but it's just Batman characters in ancient Japan. That alone is fucking amazing. But then top it off with them doing outlandish shit, and that's an easy 8 out of 10 for me. Not to mention both the English and the Japanese voice actors are top-notch and do a really great job. The best way to describe this movie is weird, and I am completely fine with that. And number 5 is Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. Again, it's another simple story, but it's still so much fun to watch. It has this Saturday morning cartoon vibe, but for an hour and a half while holding a very special very iconic scene that there is no way I couldn't have put this in there, at least the top five. It's not the best Batman movie of all time, okay, Vianfuso? Okay? But, it's easily one of the best. I think if anything with this movie and some of the others show is that a Batman movie doesn't need to have a complex storyline. It can be a simple story, but it all depends on the execution. And I think it was executed incredibly well in here. Also, back to the fight scenes, the final fight towards the end of the movie was incredibly entertaining, even if there is barely any fighting. It's what was happening that made it so much fun to the point that I was constantly laughing along with it. So yeah, great movie, 9 out of 10. And number 4 is The Dark Knight Returns Part 2. Part 2 was just far more enjoyable to me than Part 1. I've already stated this. It does something that every Batman property should avoid doing, and then does it incredibly well. <laughs> Then you get to the second half of the movie where the way everything plays out, it is so insanely entertaining that I just straight up forgot to write notes. I was just way too focused on the movie. It is an iconic and legendary piece of Batman media, and it absolutely deserves to be. I know I basically just said nothing about this movie, but I can't because anything I could say about it is just spoiler territory, so go fucking watch it. I give it a 9 out of 10. And number three is The Dark Knight, which again could be a pretty controversial choice, but hear me out. I don't hate this movie. Obviously, I think it's one of the best Batman movies out there. It's also incredibly amazing that it exists, because it truly showed the world that comic book movies can be cool. Comic book movies don't have to feel like a comic book movie. They can be dark and gritty and practically a crime drama if done right by a person who knows what they're doing. The movie also gave us Heath Ledger's Joker, which is absolutely fucking iconic and legendary, as he should be. But, the movie isn't perfect. No movie is. But if I'm grading on enjoyability, I can't in my heart rank it any higher when the last half hour of the movie just kind of loses me and feels a lot slower than the movie was prior. And yeah, that's probably due to me having a small attention span, but enjoyability is enjoyability. And if this movie holds half an hour of its runtime that just isn't that enjoyable for me, then that half hour isn't that enjoyable for me. So that's why it's at 3 and not 2, but at the same time, it's at 3 and not anything lower because the first two hours of this movie is fucking amazing. And like I said in my review, it holds two of the best scenes in the Batman movie of all time. Also, take this point as you will. Personally, I don't think it goes against the movie itself, and it's just funny to think about, but this movie indirectly ruined the entire DCEU. <laughs> it was so grounded in reality that WB couldn't use it to build their world off of it and was forced to make their own from the start. It was so well-loved by the masses for being dark and gritty that Zack Snyder tried to do that with his movies, but failed because his version of Dark is just being an edgelord. Heath Ledger's method acting as the Joker was so intense and amazing to hear about that 
Jared Leto tried to recreate it and failed miserably because just like Snyder, his version of being a method actor is just being an edgy asshole. Again, that does not affect the movie and my enjoyment of it and its score. I just think it's kind of funny to think about. <laughs> so yeah, The Dark Knight is a great movie and a great Batman movie, but sadly, I have fewer complaints about the last two movies. But this is a 9 out of 10 anyways. And number two is Under the Red Hood. If I'm being honest, at last second I did toss back and forth between whether or not I liked this movie than The Dark Knight. And I came to the conclusion that, yes, I do, just because I have fewer complaints. The biggest complaint about The Dark Knight is that it gets kind of boring towards the end. The biggest complaint about this movie is that Bruce Greenwood sometimes doesn't have a good Batman voice. Personally for me, I feel like getting boring is a bit worse than just having subpar voice acting for like one voice actor. So let me get this straight. You think liking a movie more because of its advantage of being an hour shorter is funny? I do. And I'm tired of pretending it's not. But nah, seriously, both movies are fucking fantastic, but personally, I gotta put Under the Red Hood higher because I just enjoyed it a bit more. It also, once again, holds one of the best scenes in a Batman movie ever. And while I love the two in Dark Knight, they didn't get me to tear up like Under the Red Hood did. Also, it made me like Jason Todd, which Arkham Knight did not do a good job at doing, so I gotta give it props for that. Once again, it's a 9 out of 10. It's just as good as The Dark Knight, but I just enjoyed it a tad bit more. And finally, at number one, we have Mask of the Phantasm. This should not be a surprise. <laughs> I basically gave away its placement in my review of this movie. It is absolutely fucking incredible from start to finish. It holds the best scene in any Batman movie, and nothing has been able to top it in the 27 years it's been out. As great as I think Batman 22 has the chances of being, I don't think it even has the slightest of possibilities of topping this movie. It is just fucking amazing. I would love to give you all the reasons on why I love this movie so much and think it's the best Batman movie of all time, but all of them would be spoilers, so if you don't care about them, go watch my review. If you do care about them, go watch this movie! I would also love to give this a 10. Maybe it's at the fault of the 90s animation not really entertaining me fighting-wise, but I can't in good faith give it a 10 when all the action scenes really just don't do much for me. I can in good faith though give it a nine and a half out of ten and place it at number one as the best Batman movie of all time as well as put it at number three of my favorite movies of all time.